It's time for the Raging Cajun Army, the only place where it's all Cajuns all the time. And now, here's your host, Matt Miguez. Welcome into another edition of the Raging Cajun Army. Matt Miguez, your host here, and you know we're we're bright eyed. We're we're happy. Cajuns are nine and two Woo-hoo. after absolutely destroying the Troy Trojans Saturday night by a final score of fifty three to three. And you know we'll we'll get into all of that here in a second. But you know right now I want to introduce my my special guest you know he's with us every week he does a lot of hard work for this podcast and you know um i'm very very grateful for what he does mr jerry a bear jerry what's going on man how you doing sir um still kind of in awe of yeah uh, what happened the other night it's very rare you see troy only put up three points actually it's uh i don't think it ever happens uh that troy would only put up three points against uh competition from a conference or really against anyone in their co- that they play in conference. Um, right, they've right. always scored. Um, they've always put up a lot of points. I mean, last week they hung 63 on, on Texas State. And, you know, before the before this game, you guys heard it last week, I was nervous. I was kind of getting a little bit of that CDS, that Cajun disaster syndrome, especially after the way they played against South Al. Uh, and, I mean, the Cajuns probably played by far their most complete game of the year. Probably oh. the most complete game in years. Years, plural. 100%. 100%. Let's get into the scoring summary. You there's know, a lot. There's a lot to, right off the a lot top. to there's, talk about. There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> and, you know, we, we're, we, we talk about it um, a lot. You know, when, when, you win, when you win the coin toss, nine times out of ten, you defer. Yes. You want the ball to start the second half, you know, you hope that you go into the locker room at halftime with a one-touchdown lead. Sure. You get a touchdown to open the second half. You made it a two-touchdown game. And, uh-huh. you know, two-touchdown lead in the third quarter, that's almost impossible to blow. Right. So, you know, that that's usually the game plan. But, you know, Billy Napier kind of turned some heads Saturday. He decided to take the football first. Maybe, you know, he, he saw something in his team pregame that just, he just, you know, my guys need the ball first. We're going to go with it. Um, I know Troy has a has a stat where, you know, in, in six games this year, they've scored on the opening drive after receiving the kick, and they've won all six, or five, or however many it is. I don't remember the exact number. Uh, so, you know, maybe he was just trying to avoid that. Sure. Whatever whatever the case may be, the Cajuns took the ball first, and, you know, it worked out pretty damn well. Ten plays, 69 yards, took three minutes and 19 seconds. Levi Lewis finds Joe Marcus Bradley for a 12-yard touchdown pass. And, you know, Jerry, that, that play was just was beautiful. It was, it was a simple play action. Levi rolled out, you know, like we've talked about all year that he needs to be doing, buying some time, letting his receivers get open. Ding, 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 ding. And what does he do after, you know, a few seconds of letting his receivers get open? He finds a wide-open Jamarcus Bradley in the corner of the end zone. 
Well, one thing I give credit to Levi on that play was it wasn't the fact that he rolled out. He stepped into the pocket and eluded a, eluded some defensive lineman and eluded uh, some pressure. Yeah. And he was able to step in. He hesitated a little bit, you know, kind of got his feet ready, stepped in, took a step forward, rolled out to his left, and like which he's good at doing, and threw this beautiful pass to Jamarcus Bradley on a rollout. And he, he basically created an opportunity by doing that. And that's that's classic Levi. That's when Levi is very dangerous. Yeah. When he's able to create routes, create plays like that, that's a scary thing for that defense to have to prepare. And for. you know that we'll, was beautifully executed on on all ends. We'll talk about Levi more in a minute because there's a, there's a lot to talk about with with that young man. You know, eight minutes later, Tyler Sumter, the place kicker for Troy, knocked it through a thirty yard field goal, make it to make it seven to three, and. Unfortunately, for Troy, that's the only points they scored. Yeah. You know, three minutes, two minutes and 42 seconds later, Raymond Kale catches the corner, six plays, 61 yards. He caught the corner on that 27-yard touchdown run. And like I said in my tweet, when, when you know, I live-tweet the games that I can't make, once, once Kale catches the corner, I, I mean, good luck. Yeah, I said it when he was at Cecilia. I covered him Good in luck. high school. And I remember one time uh, they were running a play. Actually, that they, they had the ball was on the right hash, closest to us on the sideline. And they ran like some toss out to the outside. And I'm thinking, he, I'm thinking he's going to run out of bounds. So I back up. The second I take the two steps, he's already cut up field by like 10 yards and just takes off for like a 60 or 70-yard touchdown run. And I remember his speed. I mean, I remember him being fast back then. It seems like he's he's added more to his to his uh, or added more speed to his step now. Yeah. Than he did when he was in high school, and it's crazy because he was already fast. I mean, he was a two-time state champion in track, right. in track and field, and I mean that's why we recruited him because of his speed. And to see, and and not only the fact that he's been able to gain even more speed since he's been at UL. He's become a lot. He's become a lot better of a running back in between tackles. That's dangerous, and I've noticed uh, Billy Napier has used him a lot more over the past five or six weeks. I know Regis has been banged up a little bit, but for for him to be able to rotate with Eli, for for um, for Raymond to, to rotate with Eli, it's been a fun combo. And then of course you got uh, Regis to finish off drives just by rolling over people and just yeah. running over people. Yeah, and you know, we ended you ended the first quarter there 14 to 3. You opened the second quarter the same way it ended. Six plays, 72 yards. Trey Regis punches it in from a yard out. 21-3 ball game for the Cajuns. You know, 3 minutes later, Elijah Mitchell punches it in from 11 yards out. Now it's 28 to 3. Well, I want to go back to that drive where they they put up they where the Cajuns scored 21. Uh, two plays in a row that stuck out to me. You have Trey Regis on third and three, runs it for 45 yards. Yep. Again, bulldozing through, just breaking this long run. How about that play, that pass from Levi Lewis to, to Bam Jackson? That tiptoe, that tiptoeing catch. I have said it all season long. Bam Jackson is the dark horse of this offense. Oh, he's a sleeper now. He's the dark He's horse of the offense. No question. I've said, I cannot tell you how many times, and I'm not saying that the kid's got to touch the ball every play. No. But I cannot tell you how many passing plays that he is wide open 
down the like 15 yards down the field. Get those 15, 20 yard chunks every game. Like I'm telling you, if this kid touches the ball four times a game for 50 yards a game, he's an NFL talent. Yeah, no question. He's got the build. He's got the intangibles. He just has to put the highlight reel together. Yep. I agree. So I, I think this game was huge for Bam. You know, I think he ended up with five catches for for almost sixty yards. Mm-hmm. So you know, great numbers there. Can't yeah. can't really complain with that. Um, but yeah, he he's he's the one guy in this offense that not many teams are gonna prepare for. Well, you just add more weaponry to your offense. Right. Right. He's a good decoy. He's done a great job creating separation. And when it's time for him to step up and the ball comes his way, most of the time he makes good catches and is able to get you know, right. 12, 13 yards on, on every reception. So, yeah. big help. And he's a good holder. He's, 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 he's a phenomenal holder for, for, the, for the special teams unit. Speaking of the special teams unit, eight minutes after that, Elijah Mitchell, 11-yard touchdown run to make it 28-3. to That was a beautiful play, by the way. Stevie Artigue. My man! From 49 yards away, makes it 31-3 to right there Drilled at it. the half. Drilled it. Oh, Drilled it. beautiful. Uh-huh. There, there wasn't a doubt in my mind. That ball was going right down the middle. And, you know, it, it's funny. The first quarter, the second quarter started the same way the first quarter ended. Same thing for the second half. Third quarter started the same way the second quarter ended. 45-yard field goal from Stevie Arteague. 34-3 to Louisiana. 18 seconds later, Caleb Barker sacked by Jordan Quibido in the end zone. Safety, 36-3. to Three minutes later, Trey Regas' eight-yard touchdown run, 43-3 to Louisiana, <laughs> with 8.26 left in the third quarter. Oh, my. This is when Billy Napier said, okay, I think we've seen enough. Let's call off the dogs, put the backups in. You know, let, let these guys get some experience. But then, you know, Chris Smith. Give it to the freshman. I, I can't Give say. Give it to the freshman. I can't say enough about this kid. He's, I feel like, I feel like he's King Midas reincarnated. Everything he touches turns to gold. And you know, again, and I've said this a few times and I'll say it again. When Raymond Kale leaves this year, when he graduates. You've got oh, Chris Smith is stepping right, right immediately his, into his place. Exactly. Immediately. That's, that's huge. First, first huge. ball. First ball Chris Smith touches, he takes it around the corner, 80 yards to the house. And outran the entire defense. Nope. Just oh, outran him. He, I don't think he was touched. I don't think so either. <laughs> I don't think he was touched. All he did was run to the outside. He didn't even he didn't have to break any tackles. I, I, I could be wrong, but I don't he even think ran to the outside. I don't think a defender touched him. No. That drive was 16 seconds. Now it's 50 to 3 with five and a half left in the third quarter. And no points were scored again until 9.50 left in the game. Stevie Arteague, once again, 13 plays, 83 yards, 31-yard field goal from the senior from Lafayette to make it 53-3. to And from there, that was about all she wrote. Yeah, I'm so happy. And congratulations to Stevie. Sunbelt Conference Special Teams, special player, teams player of the Week. Of the week. You know, Stevie, Stevie! He's, he's, uh, he's really persevered. He's had some rough patches here and there this year. You know, last year he was out all season with an injury. And a lot of people were kind of ready to say, look, give another kicker a try. And and, he, and you see, here's here's and that blows my mind. And he got his groove back. And now, but the, here's the thing. He's gotten hot at the perfect time absolutely. of the year. Because now you're going to need him more than ever. And, you know, pe- people saying give another kicker a chance absolutely blows my mind. Because before that ACL injury, let's not forget – 
Stevie was an All-American. He's doing fan. Yeah, he was doing fan. He was an All-American. Oh, yeah. And he was a semifinalist for the Lou Grazo Award for the best place kicker in the country. No question. I mean, there, there's there's just no denying what the kid's done in his career. He's now third all-time on the all-time scoring list in, Cajun, in Cajun's history. He's made the most field goals in a Cajun's career. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just there, there's no denying what he's done. And then to make it even better, he's done it for his hometown team. Yeah, and you know, he's I've gotten to know him. He's a good guy. Um, he loves doing what he does. He, he enjoys. Just having the opportunity to play college football, you know, it's funny. He was actually recruited by some some bigger schools, and yep. he decided to stay home. Yep. He didn't have to stay here. He could have gone. He didn't. He could have gone out of state. Could have played at a bigger conference, but he wanted to stay close to home. He wanted to play for the local team that he grew up watching, and it's been fun watching him. And it's been fun watching him improve this year. He's come a long way since the first game, and again now, because of the way he's been kicking, especially these past couple weeks, you know, you got ULM this weekend. You got the conference championship game in two weeks against App. Then you've got the bowl game. You're going to need him more than ever right. these next three these games. next three games, absolutely. So what better time for him to get hot than now? So final score fifty three to three. Cajuns improved to nine and two, six and one in the Sun Belt. Troy drops to five and six, three and four in the Sun Belt. Now let's let's get to some stats, Jerry. Levi Lewis was one of three Cajuns quarterbacks to see the field. Saturday, he went 21 of 33, 273 yards, and a touchdown. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about him more here in a second. I'll, I'll get through the rest of the stats quickly. Jave Magale, 6 of 6, 71 yards. Chandler Fields even got in a little bit, um, although it was in garbage time and he mostly handed the ball off. You know, he, he did pretty efficiently. Sure. Uh, rushing stats. Obviously, the leading rusher was Chris Smith, 5 carries, 87 yards. Granted, 80 of those 87 came on his touchdown run. The the number the stat line that really sticks out to me on, on the Louisiana stat sheet is Trey Regis, 11 carries, 79 yards, and two touchdowns. Raymond Colley, 7 carries, 61 yards, and a score. Elijah Mitchell, 7 carries, 61 yards, and a score. And then, you know, the, the leading receiver was Jamarcus Bradley, 5, care, five catches, 96 yards, and a score. But again, you know, we talked about Jared Jackson. Four catches for 51 yards. Just a just a phenomenal, you know, quiet performance for the senior. Peter LeBlanc got some touches. Brandon Lejeune got some touches. You know, just really, really spreading the ball around. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 13. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 different, receivers different receivers touched the ball Saturday night. That's, I mean, that, you, you can't write it better. But it's and, and on top of that with that new redshirt rule, by the right. way, which is awesome. And yeah, That's I mean, a, let, let, let's be honest. Brandon Lejeune, he's going to get redshirted. Chandler Fields, redshirted. <laughs> and Hell, they got, got playtime. <laughs> let, let, let's be totally honest. I could be wrong. I'm not sure how many games he's he's played in. We could still technically redshirt Chris Smith. Uh, or, I don't, I don't, or are we I over? Think, are we over the over. limit? Yeah, I think we're over the limit. Over. Okay, maybe maybe not. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's Cassius Allen. Yeah, he's gonna get redshirted. Pierce Meagle might even get redshirted. Yep. yep. Well, no, that no, I because think... his because of his special teams play. Oh, that's he's, true. That's he, true. He's, he's, he's a special teams guy. Offense more than yeah. Okay. Like, now you know. Let, let's look at the Troy stats. You know, Caleb Barker came into this game. You know, best quarterback in the Sun Belt Conference. Huh. One of the best quarterbacks in the country mm-hmm. on paper. He was fifth in passing yards, fifth in passing touchdowns. Um, Go ahead with the stat line. What was it? I didn't. I didn't see it. 
15 of 32, 178 yards, no touchdowns, and two INTs. A quarterback rating of 21.2. Womp womp. Gunnar Watson, 3 of 8, 25 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions for Troy. You know, and another guy you you heard a lot about when looking at Troy's Troy's offense was DK Billingsley, their sophomore running back. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe it was just Cage's defense. I, I think so. But he he wasn't impressive either. 10 no. carries, 68 yards. Obviously, you know, 7 yards a carry, that's pretty that's a pretty impressive number. Well, I said but, Go ahead. But but the thing is is that he was he was closing in on a thousand yards rushing. This this was a guy that was highly highly talked about coming into this game, and he just didn't show it. No, and really, you know Troy's forte, their expertise is the passing game. And I said before, I said it last week, the secondary is going to have to play their best game. Well, not only did they play their best game, but like they looked like a secondary on a mission, man. And it wasn't just a starting rotation. How about the backups? Yep. Coming in, making plays in the secondary. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, covering speaking... these receivers like glue, intercepting two two passes, um, one of which Troy was driving down the field. They were able to pick it off, getting a safety. I, I mean, yeah. Speaking, how speaking you, of you, how do you get? You can't get much better than that. Speaking of the safety, let's talk about Jordan Quibido. He was leading tackler for the Cajuns, eight tackles. Four of those solo and a sack. You know, he, he had the, the, the sack obviously was his was his safety. Um and you know, looking at Troy's defensive numbers, one guy that um the, the one guy that I heard a lot about from Troy who lived up to his billing was Carlton Martial, the sophomore linebacker from Mobile. He had twelve tackles Saturday against UL. So I mean, he he definitely lived up to the to the hype that was that was given to me on him, and I, I think he's going to be a special player in this conference, especially over the next two seasons for the Trojans. And you know, you talked about those interceptions. AJ Washington had one, and Jaron Wilson had another one. I, I'm going to be honest when he had that when we had that second interception, I said, "Who the heck is that guy?" How about A.J. Washington, though? How many interceptions has he had this he year? He has. Let's see. I'm going to pull it up. Because he, his name always pops up when it comes to a pick. So I'm curious. He's got know. three on the year. Okay. Yeah, he's he's he had one against Ohio. I he's think got he had three one. on the year. I think he grabbed one in the... Um, uh, I'm going to look. Let's, um, one was Ohio, I know that. Yeah, one was Ohio. Let's was, talk was about it Arkansas State, maybe. I think while it was Arkansas State. I, while, I, while I look it up, let's talk about um, let's talk about the performance that Levi Lewis has had this year. Okay. And just you know what the things that he's been he's been able to do as as the seasons progressed. You know what from from the I don't I don't really want to say haters, but from the haters. And you know the the slow start to the year, to the year to now. What what have you seen out of out of QB one? Well, like I've said in every episode so far, he's got his he's got his strong points. He's got his weak points. Uh, his strong points: fantastic on the rollout, really good guiding, managing the offense. Great job, great field general, awesome field general. Okay, I love that about him. Great leader, great attitude. He's a fighter. I love it. Yeah, his touch on the deep ball. Yeah, it's okay. Average. I think sometimes he, you know, there was one throw he made to um, 
Who was it he was trying to throw to? Oh, Jamarcus Bradley. It was right on the money. But then there was like one or two other throws that he overthrew, and I'm like, oh, man. But when he throws down the seam anywhere from 15 to 20 yards, he can put it. He can put it there. But the deep ball is one of those, you know, the deep ball is not really his forte. But at the same time, most of the scoring drives, it's not deep balls. It's the 7, 8-yard passes, the right. 10 to 12-yard passes. And that's what he's good at, and it works. It's effective. And I love that about him. I love the fact that he can sustain drives. Because here's the thing. You don't always have to – look, I, I think the deep ball is beautiful. It's a beautiful work of art. It really is. But the beauty of this offense is that we really don't – outside of outside of you know maybe Elijah Mitchell making a big run or Raymond Kale going up the field for 80 yards on one play, right. a lot of times – one thing that Billy Napier does is he mixes both the run and pass game. And a lot of times you'll see eight or nine yards on a run followed by a seven, eight-yard pass to the flat. You wear defenses out doing that. You cause them to stay on the field a lot longer. Yeah. So by the third or fourth quarter, they're so worn out. And then you break the morale. I mean, you get your three or four yards at a time. That's what App State did against the Cajuns the first time, remember? Yeah. They didn't They didn't have any big plays. It was those seven, eight-yard drives or seven, eight-yard plays. But, but that's, that's this offense's bread and butter. Drive, and, but you break you break the morale of a defense. Absolutely. And when you do it consistently, and that's where that's where I think Levi is, is, a, it's, is a stud. It's, it's a not, stud at that. It's, I, love it's it. not, I love it. It's not pretty, but those seven, eight-minute drives – is what's going to win you football games against teams like App State. No question. And that's where, and you talk about with Levi, I think that's what Levi's good at. Absolutely. He's good at managing those long, Absolutely. sustainable drives. And you know that that first game against App State, I think the, I think our biggest problem was we got away from that. We tried to... We, well, tried we couldn't to, sustain drives. We tried to win it on... We, we tried. I think we tried too much, you know, for the deep ball, for the big play. And, you know, and that's great if you have the team to pull it off. I think going into App in two weeks... And I don't want to overlook ULM, and we'll talk no, about ULM in not a second. At all. But I know that coaching staff is going to have a different game plan coming into that game, especially after the first the first game in, in Lafayette. I think they're going to come in with that game plan of doing the little things, yeah, not going big. Um, but again, I don't want to get too far ahead. And, and by the way, you know this win solidifies the Western Division for the second year in a row. Um, it's kind of crazy. Last year, for those of you who saw my viral video of the missed field goal by ULM, and I was like, we win the West, we win the West, we win the West. It was exciting because we had never done something like that before, especially with the conference splitting into two divisions. And right. for us, with a first-year head coach last year, to do that was huge. This year, it's expected. It was expected for yep. me. Especially after like the Arkansas State game, and then you had... You know, Texas State and Coastal, when you dominate those teams, I'm like, okay, we should be able to clinch this. And the other night, there really wasn't something that I thought about when they beat Troy. It was, oh, yeah, I forgot. We're going, we just solidified a spot in the championship game. Um, but congratulations to Billy Napier, his staff, and that and this team, these players, these these guys. You're, you're, you're going to another conference championship for the second year in a row. Yeah. And you didn't have – it didn't take you the last week to clinch it. You clinched it a little bit earlier, and you did it in dominating fashion. Yeah, de- I mean, definitely. There's no, there's no better team in this division. It's it's by a long shot. Cajuns are, are the best team in, in this division, and it showed. You know, talking about Levi Lewis, I I, had, I spoke with Chris Lano, color commentator for, for his Rip game, 14-20, after, after the game. And, you know, we, I asked him – 
you know, I, I was I was trying to write my article for Underdog Dynasty, and you know, I just didn't know what to say. Yeah. But other than we dominated Troy, and <laughs> what and, more could you say though? Yeah. No, I mean, there was not. I really just wanted to type. We dominated Troy. The end. Like I didn't. I really didn't know what else to say. And so I, I texted him about that, and he said, "You know, talk about Levi. Talk about what he's done throughout the year." And I was like, "I mean, you've always been one of his." His biggest supporters, you know, what did, what did you think? And I'll read you what he gave me. He said, with the way that Levi's matured throughout the year, this team has gone from a one-dimensional ground-and-pound offense to a balanced, well-oiled machine. Very balanced. Yes, no question We're about that. We're a balanced, well-oiled machine. No question about that. And that's that's dangerous. And and like, like, you, like dangerous. you've said for the last couple weeks now, we're clicking at the right time. Well, you're clicking at the right time, but you're also clicking. Not only are you clicking, but you're playing younger guys that are stepping Absolutely. up and making plays. I mean, look at the other night. Who made the? Who got the safety? Uh, Jordan Quibda. Not a starter. Right. Who made the interception? A.J. Washington and Jaron Wilson. Not a starter. Who got the 80-yard touchdown run? Chris Smith, a freshman. Who, not a starter. You got guys that are stepping yep. up, making plays, that are, that, are create, that are leaving an impact in the game. Right. And they're not even starters. They're rotating in and out, and that's one thing that Billy Napier has done a fantastic job of doing. He's creating depth with experience, and yep. these guys are stepping up. A lot of times, you know, as a fan, when you hear, oh, they're going to play freshmen, they're going to play sophomores, I'm like, oh, crap, you know? <laughs> like, oh, gosh, this I'm kind of nervous because, you know, you're giving the other team an opportunity. Right. I, honestly, sometimes we've played – the other night we played so well and made so many plays – you can't really tell the difference of who's a starter and who's not because everybody's stepping up. And you see, this is something that creates a foundation for longevity. Next year, you're going to have guys that are sophomores and juniors who have so much play time that when they go in, they're going to be able to pick up from where the starters left off. They're doing it right now. It's yep. only going to get better. Yeah, so 100%. I, I, man, this, is, this team is – Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, th- you're you're not wrong. Wow. This team this um, team is phenomenal. Wow. And you know, let, let's transition into the, to the game this Saturday. You all Monroe coming to town for the Battle of the Bayou. They're five and six, four and three, in the in the Sun Belt Conference. And you know, the the one guy that we just can't seem to get away from in terms of the Warhawks is Caleb Evans. Last time, you better make it count. I mean, I I, st- I go back to the last time that they were in Lafayette two years ago. And he had five rushing touchdowns on our defense. That. I'm well aware. <laughs> I just was... I, that that memory is is ingrained in my head. And not only did he have five rushing touchdowns, but UL still could have won the ball game. Killed us on the read option. Had to play catch up the entire second half. And Andre Nunez. We Andre Nunez led the led the comeback of his life. That was his coming out party for sure. Led the comeback of his life, but sent the game to overtime. And I mean, I, I think. We were so gassed from the, from coming back that we just we couldn't keep up in overtime. But you know, obviously this year is a it's a much different story. The Cajuns are dominating Monroe in just about every category. Um, you know, the only the only thing I'm looking at that they do better than us is passing yards per game. They they throw they get about 25 more yards a game than we do in the air. That, that's the only category that they're that they're leading us in. And, um, yeah, but they're also allowing 39.4 points per game compared to our 16.7. Correct. Correct. Again, 
That's where when you start facing teams, especially I've noticed that in the conference, yeah, I don't mind playing a team that can score, but if they're giving up that many points right. and you got to go against our offense, and you see, ah, here, good here's luck. The, here, here's good the other, luck. Here's the other thing. You know, the Cajuns are allowing 351.6 yards per game. Yeah. Monroe, 479.2. <laughs> Oh, and if, if you look at the breakdown, where are more of their yards allowed coming from? The ground game. 251.9. The ground game. game. So in Cajun's speak, that's 300. Uh, it, run run TMC's. Yeah, fixing that, eight. That's, that's 300. Fixing eight this weekend. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I hate to, you know, say that I'm not scared of an opponent. I'm not scared to be well out. Well, if you look at the if you look at the common matchups and you look at the number of points that they that Yo Monroe has given up compared to what the Cajuns have given up. For example, they just played a Coastal Carolina team at home that we had, destroyed. That the Cajuns only gave up seven points to at their in garbage house. time. In garbage time, yeah. Seven points Meanwhile, in garbage time. They gave up forty-two to Coastal. Now, I'm not going to say transitive property. Oh, because they did this, the Cajuns are going to do this. It's about matchups, but. Another game, they, another team they lost to. Georgia Southern gave up 51 points on the road. Cajuns gave we up gave 24. 20. Uh, you know, they played an Arkansas State team, gave up 48 on, at home. We Cajuns gave up gave 20. Up 20. You know, outscored by App State 52-7. to seven. We uh, gave up 17. Gave up 17. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, here, here's the I, thing. Yeah, we, we, I, talk, we talked earlier, and we, we, we say it again later in the, in the episode, about how we're a tad bit nervous about this game. But you know that's about the rivalry, you know the the past results, you know kind of what the what this game always brings. But opponent wise, they don't scare me, no, like, at all. Absolutely, not. we are bar none Absolutely the better team. Absolutely not. We are bar none the better team. It's just a matter of a which Cajuns team is going to show up, b which Warhawks team is going to show up, and c you know th- this kind of always plays a factor in this rivalry game. What the weather's going to do. Well, again, I'm a little, and I, I hate to bring it up again, like last week, but... No, br- bring it up. It works out. It works out well when you bring it up. No, but, I mean, look, the Cajuns have not beaten Monroe, or UL Monroe, in Lafayette by double digits, and I can't tell you... It's been a while. ...how long. So, every time, for whatever reason, every time the Warhawks come to Cajun Field, the game always somehow comes down to the wire. It's either a close Cajuns win... Or a Warhawk win. Right. So, I would like to see the Cajuns finally dominate this team at home. Yep. For some odd reason, we could go to Monroe and beat them by 30 points. But for whatever but we reason, can't do it at, home. at Cajun Field, right. the game always comes down to the wire. And it's a head-scratcher to me. I don't yep. know I don't know if it's dynamics. I don't know if Monroe feels less pressured to come to Cajun Field. I don't know. But right. it, it's weird. Yep. Um, I said it last week against Troy. I was a little nervous. Um, to say I'm nervous like I was against Troy... After seeing what the Cajuns did to Troy, I can't say I'm nervous. I can't brush off the idea that the Warhawks always play the Cajuns close here in Lafayette. So, the Cajuns are going to have to show up. Yeah. No, 100%. Because, for whatever reason, ULM always gets up for this game. Yep. Always. And they always treat this game like it's... It's, it's know, their bowl game. It's their bowl game. And really, technically, this is, this is their last shot at a bowl game. So, they're going to come in... 
Hate, you know, hate to say I mean, it with the, with the way the Sunbelt Conference is on this year. I don't think six, six and six is going to get you a bowl game. But it puts them in the race. It, it, it puts, it, them, it puts them in the possibility. It, it puts absolutely, them in the possibility. So they're going to come in with a vengeance. They're going to come in ready but to go with a with a eleven and one App State team, or at worst ten and two, a ten and two UL team. I think you've got a. I think Arkansas State might finish seven and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Georgia State's going to finish in the in the seven and five. Realm Georgia Southern might finish there as well. Yeah. I mean, there's there's, there's your five there's your five bowl right. spots. But again, it's all about uh, it's all about the fact that these games are always close in line. Right. Yet. I I don't understand it, but it's just the case. Hundred percent. So, you know, part of me is like, oh gosh, it's close. It's it you know it's sort of I, don't, I hate to call it a rival, but it kind of is it sometimes. Is. So it I, is a rivalry. I it's our sister hope, school. I just hope that. The Cajuns come out. They don't get – and one thing about this coaching staff is they never let this team get cocky. No. I've noticed that. They they take it one game at a time. Mm-hmm. And I think this team's going to come out ready to go. But, again, because Monroe always somehow loves to play the Cajuns close in Lafayette, I just have this feeling it's going to be close. The yep. good news is I think the Cajuns are just too good mm-hmm. for Monroe to go toe-to-toe with until the fourth quarter. I think it will be – Absolutely. And I know we're gonna, we'll make the predictions later, but – I'll say it now. I do think it'll be close the first half, first three quarters. But I think the Cajuns just have too much talent to pull to not right. to not for it to not be close right. in the fourth yeah, quarter. No. I think they're going to pull away. I 100% agree with you. Uh, you know, and like you said, we we talk predictions later on in the episode. Kickoff is at 6:30 p.m. from Cajun Field. It is being broadcasted as part of ESPN's Rivalry Week. It will be broadcasted on ESPNU. Pre-game show on ESPN 1420, as always, two hours before kickoff with Steve Peliquin, Chris Gannon, and Scott Prather. Also, a game of note, a game of importance, on Friday evening at 6 p.m., App State is going yeah, to App and Troy, Troy, Alabama. App and Troy. Uh, and for those now, of you, uh, we've gotten, look, I've gotten text messages, I've gotten questions. Oh, we're in the championship game, but how do we get the game at Cajun Field? All right, so I'm going to break it down. We're gonna break it down, and it, it's it's very simple. It's very simple. Troy beats App, and we have to beat Monroe, and we and we beat Monroe. Yes. So here's here's the here's how it goes. Right now, as of right now, it's in Boone. It's in Boone because App State owns the tiebreaker. Both teams have one loss in the conference. App State's loss is to Georgia Southern's. The Cajuns' loss is to App State. For those of you who remember, so. Right now, even though we both have the same conference record, it's in they Boone. hold the tiebreaker, so the game would be played in Boone. App State goes to Troy on Friday. If App State wins, we'll know by Friday. If App State wins, regardless of what happens in our game against our game, Monroe, it's in Boone. we go to Boone. But if they lose to Troy by some miracle, Troy pulls it off and beats them. Because here's the thing: Which Troy is five, App. App is only a ten point favorite, and Troy's five and six. They got a chance to go to a bowl game if they win this on on Friday. So if if they beat App State, if they find a way to beat App State, the Cajuns with a win against Monroe we'll will host. host the Sun Belt Conference Championship. So let me break this down: App State loses, Cajuns win against Monroe, Cajuns host. App State wins on Friday. No matter regardless what. Regardless what happens on Saturday, Cajuns yep. go to Boone. Absolutely. Simple enough? Absolutely. All right. And, you know, regardless, whether whether it's in Boone or... I don't care where it whether, is. Whether it's in Lafayette. I don't care where it is. Mark my words. I don't want to jump ahead, but mark my words. The way the Cajuns are playing right now, 
we will be the better team. Well, I've seen a few. I've seen a few posts from uh, from App State. We fans, will be the better team. They know they're gonna. If if we if the Cajuns have to end up in Boone, they know they're gonna have a football team coming to town. Yeah, we're. It ain't gonna be the same Cajuns from October 9th. We we will be the better team on that field. And an, another thing, I looked at the weather report in Boone for the day the conference championship would be. The weather plays in our favor. Running the ball, rainy. Forty-two and freezing rain. Oh, well, good luck, Zach Thomas, throwing the ball. Yeah, I mean, that that runs right into our wheelhouse. Give it to TMC. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. All right, guys, we'll take a break. When we come back with Josh Jagno, a.k.a. Man About Town, will join us to talk about an issue that's been on minds of Raging Cajun Nation all season, (sighs) but, you know, really has, has fired up over the last, you know, 48 hours or so. We'll get into that. We'll have the two-minute drill here during the break, and we'll talk with Josh when we come back right here on the Raging Cajun Army. Hey, Cajun Nation, Matt Miguez here, and this is your two-minute drill. The men's basketball team, after a heartbreaker in Laramie, Wyoming, they start off the trip in Las Vegas on a high note, defeating Detroit Mercy on Monday, 81-62. Leading scorer for the Cajuns was Jalen Johnson, 18 points, 6 rebounds, and he added an assist. Duguay, 9 points, 11 rebounds. Cedric Russell had 16 for the Cajuns to go along with 3 steals. Malik Wilson, phenomenal yet again. 10 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds, a steal. Cajuns shooting much better in this performance. 46.3% as a team, 32.1% from 3, and 62.5% from the free throw line. Former Cajun Justin Miller, 22 minutes for Detroit Mercy, had 5 points, 3 rebounds. Detroit Mercy shooting 34%. Cajuns hold Detroit Mercy to 35%, 27 from 3, and 83 at the free throw line. Cajuns today will play in Las Vegas yet again, this time against basketball powerhouse UC Irvine. Now, on the women's side, you know, the, the women's basketball team off to a heck of a start this year. They beat Lamar last night to go to 5-1 on the year, 74-63. Ty Doucette, another double-double, 13 points, 11 boards. She also had two assists, two steals, and a block. Sophomore Brandy Williams continues her epic career in Vermilion and White. 14 points and three boards and a steal for the sophomore. Jasmine Thomas, 13-8-2-3. And Andrea Knoyer off the bench, 11 points was perfect from the three-point line, two rebounds, two steals. The women will host Xavier of New Orleans on Monday, and after the trip to Las Vegas, men will be off for Thanksgiving before hosting Southeastern Louisiana next week in the Cajun Dome. And we're back here on the Raging Cajun Army, Matt Miguez and Duty Bear. And now we're going to talk about something that's been on the minds of, of Raging Cajun Nation for a while now. But it, the fire really started after Saturday's game against Troy. And joining us to talk about it is Man About Town, Josh Jagno, all the way from beautiful, sunny, probably cold Oklahoma. Josh, what's going on, man? Not much. Thanks for having me to speak about this very important issue. Well, yeah, and you know, the 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 attendance issue has has been something on fans' minds for a while. But you know, Saturday we we barely scraped fourteen thousand for you know one of the biggest beatdowns that the Cajuns have ever delivered in the Sun Belt Conference. It was rough. 
It, it was tough to see those numbers at the end of the game, especially by the way the Cajuns played. And the circumstances, you're 8-2, and two, you had a chance to watch this team live clinch another Western Sunbelt Western Division title to get into the championship for the second year in a row, and there was nobody there to see it. And that was that was rough. That was tough to see as a fan. Yeah, and, you know, I, I wasn't able to, to be at the game. You know, sickness kind of kind of held me back. But, Josh, I, I really want to want to hear your opinion on this because you, you've kind of been an advocate for the attendance issue. Why Why do you think fans just didn't show up Saturday? Well, of course, just like anything else, there's more than one reason. And in this case, there's probably several reasons. But I want to preface it with this. I'll preface my comments with this. I hate it so much that the attendance overshadowed that performance. Yeah. Because that was an all-time performance. Uh, Cajun fans, young and old, have all kind of come together and agreed that that was something we've probably never seen. It's never happened in my lifetime, for sure. You know, name another time in late November where we had a game that meant so much that we just completely dominated from whistle to whistle, offensively, defensively, special teams. It was a thorough annihilation of a team that really has gotten the best of us far too often. And, uh, Man, it was just a thing of beauty to watch, and as a fan, I couldn't get enough of it. I'd love to see it again on Saturday against ULM. But you know, Troy was playing for a bowl, a bowl berth. You know, it's, yeah, it's a they were they program. were they were playing to keep their season alive. And not to mention, That's right. and not to mention, you know, we said it last week, and I had the CDS going into the game. I was nervous because Troy they hung sixty three the week before. I think they won the week before before that against what was it Georgia Southern or yeah it was I think it was mm-hmm. Georgia Southern Southern yeah yeah I mean that the team was hot and it, it almost looked like coming into this game that oh gosh here we go the Troy of old catching fire at a at a good time especially you know uh, for them but bad for us because we had played so lackluster against South Al the week before and I was nervous you you guys know mm-hmm. I was I was scared. And then all of a sudden, I see what I saw on Saturday. And then I'm, my, my first line of thinking was, you know what? I want to skip the Monroe game. I want to go straight to Boone and play App right now. Well, you, and you see, I, I'm glad you said it that way because that perfectly leads me into the next thing that I want to talk about. So we're, we're talking about how Troy you know, was, was playing for their season. But, you know, on paper, technically, they still have a chance to save their season. Yeah. Now, granted, it's it's David and Goliath, but they have the opportunity to host App State Friday afternoon at home. It's their senior day. That's a rivalry game most years, so you know that that game's always usually p- pretty close. And you know, App State's a thirteen-point favorite, which really isn't a lot. No, and we and we touched base on this, um, you know, before the break. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's true. Uh, they're playing with their backs against the wall. It's senior day. They're at home. Uh, App State, yeah, they won the game against Texas State last week, but Texas State gave them a little bit of a of a, of a run. Um, but if it's any if there's any indication of what we saw uh, on Saturday, I I don't I don't think Troy can hang with them. No. Oh, Jerry, what you said about 
the CDS kicking up, and I know we, we joke about that, but it is a real thing here, and it, d- it did look like the stars were aligning for another letdown. I mean, let's be honest, you weren't the only person to make the comment in passing or, you know, when talking about the game with folks. So, I mean, look, this, this offense was it was legit by all accounts. I mean, there were several categories that was it was nationally recognized. I mean, you know, their red zone percentage was off the charts. And, I mean, hold them scoreless ascent i mean you know we gave up the field goal my goodness that was just total domination and again with so much on the line i cannot remember another performance where you never the, the game was never in doubt not even <laughs> not even well, first possession billy takes the ball that let me know how confident he was in the team and it also let me know that uh that there was some kind of weird stat about troy had uh i think it was like eight times in a row this year uh when they received the ball they score maybe it was six times. They receive the ball in the opening kick. They go down and score. And I think it, in almost all those games, they won. So it was interesting that we decided to not defer like we typically do. Um, but that I think Billy sent a few messages on Saturday, and I like to see that as a fan. You know, it's that to kind of tell the story of you know how the season's going to end. So, but, uh, so with that. Go ahead. Uh, with that, Josh, um, you, like 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 Matt had said, you've been a huge advocate, especially this past week on Twitter, the message boards about the lack of support. And, you know, we all try to find a common denominator of what's causing this lack of attendance, right? I mean, the team is, they're off to their best start ever, pretty much. Uh, as far as their rankings go, this is probably one of the highest this team has ever been ranked in school history. Uh, they're catching fire. They're only getting better by the week. You would think the community... A community, like you said, that takes pride in the culture, that takes pride in their university, that they would that they would show up. I mean, and and, and again, when I look at that fourteen thousand two hundred whatever 62. and sixty two fans that showed up to this with all with all of the circumstances surrounding it, it there's a there's some kind of disconnection there. To you, in your opinion, in your mind, what is that disconnection? Well, we all know that there was less than fourteen thousand in the stands. I mean, <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah, well, I know we were reported, but who were actually in the game, inside the gates, uh, it wasn't 14. Anyway, uh, specifically, uh, you know, take your pick. I, I sat around and listened to all the local shows on Sunday and listened. I, I mean, look, it, it got down to where people were complaining that there was no smoking area. It, you know, we got students complaining that there's no Wi-Fi access or it's not good enough. You know. What do you do with a fan base that that is? I mean, that's childlike excuse making. You know, you know. Here, here's here, here's here's we, we have. Listen, there there is we. I have been around the country. I've been to football games, baseball games, whatever. We have the most. It is the most easily accessible parking situation, maybe in the country. And I'm not even exaggerating. But people don't want to walk 200 yards from a from a parking spot that's not inside the stadium. This is, these are the things we're complaining about. And look, it has been an educational week. I've, I've enjoyed the, the conversation back and forth, whether it be Raging Pageant, whether it be Twitter, whatever platform I've discussed in, in, in all media. It's been educational. I've, I've learned some things, even though I have been very fiery in this in this regard. You guys know me. I'm you all all the way. I'm going to defend, and sometimes I get caught up in it. I, I expect people to kind of be as, as sold out as I am, and that's a mistake. You know, a uh, woman about town has absolutely educated me on that. I should not hold it against other people because they have other priorities. And I'm, I'm trying to take all that into consideration when I make these, you know, quote-unquote blanket statements. 
But I cannot justify, uh, I cannot find a real reason to hang my hat on where you have a historic team doing historic things that do nothing but improve. They don't embarrass you in the media. They don't do things that we can't be proud of. And we can't find in a 30-mile radius that, you know, there's 600,000-plus residents in a 30-mile radius, and we can't find 20,000 to go to a football game on a Saturday night in late November with all the chips on the table where things matter, where we're, we're playing a, a you know, potentially bowl-eligible team and we're going for 10 wins. I'm sorry, I, I can't accept I had to go duck hunting. I like to duck hunt. I'm a hunter also. I don't accept that excuse. God, I hate I, that I, excuse. I, I don't accept my kid had soccer, you know, Saturday morning and we were tired. My kid has soccer in the morning too. You know, there it, it comes down to this. You can make excuses or you can make it happen. And we have a fan base. We Look, history is on the side of the people who think that there's a loser mentality in the fan base. Okay? You know, Catherine made the comment, App State, you know, you had 21,000 on a weeknight. Maybe those people felt let down. You know, once again, Cajuns let them down. Well, look, that kind of that falls into my thought process when it comes to our fans. Look, if you go to the App State game and watch two good football teams play a good football game, and you walk away from that thinking, oh, well, just Cajuns, let us down again. Well, what kind of fan are you? That's a loser mentality. That's what I'm talking about. So... There's a lot of reasons, Jerry. There's a lot of reasons, man, and I think you know why. And uh, you know, I think you know why I have my my reactions, and you know that I get angry about it because, like you said, I've been fighting the battle just as long as I, I, I could have been. You know, since I've been in school and everything, it's just it's just disheartening. It's disheartening. You're doing everything you can. You got billboards. You got commercials. You got radio. You got media. You got social media. You know, you got you got. Uh, what are we not doing? They go to the festivals. They go to they go to socials. You know, Maggard and his and his crew. And look, it's good to have a crew doing what they're doing. Uh, I think that they're doing a good job. Maybe we need to examine that a little more. Are we in the right markets? Are we advertising in the right areas? Are we maximizing our exposure? Maybe that's something we need to to investigate a little further. But when you came from the you know, guys like you and I who watched the previous administration do nothing and sit on their ass while everybody passes us up when we got, you know, we got a team in the regionals and super regionals in baseball. We got New Orleans ball winning four and five times. We got basketball going to the NCAAs. No exposure. So when we see any amount of exposure, it's, it's exciting, you know. It's like, oh, finally they're getting the word out, you know. And, and you know, talking about the, the different excuses that people, people were using, the one that I – heard and you know was when I when I heard it I was like okay you know I get that were, were people saying oh well my kids are off of school so we took them on a vacation for the week of Thanksgiving well, that's I get that that's go have your fun it, it it's mind-blowing that we're playing two games the week of Thanksgiving anyway well I think another thing that kind of makes me scratch my head and um you know actually Norman Locke talked about this on his show Sunday morning before I went on with Mike uh the student turnout I mean, oh, don't don't even get look, me started. Look, don't. I'm, I'm I am going. I am going to yell. Look, before the season started, the administration sat down with the with all of the student organizations and the Greeks and said, "What can we do to make the experience better? What can they do to make the experience better?" So they said, "Look, you put us in the intramural field to tailgate. We want to be closer." So they took away parking. 
They moved them closer to the stadium. And then on top of moving them closer to the stadium, they moved the student section back to where it was, taking away premium seats in the 50-yard line in section Q on the visitor's side. So they put it back, and then they put the band back to where it was before, kind of like how it was set up when I was a student. So they gave them that. Then after the Liberty game, there were a few student, there were a few student organizations that said, and we saw the article in the Vermilion, well, not everybody's being included on feedback. Okay, understandable. So what does the administration do? They get those groups. They say, look, what did we miss? What, give us some feedback. So they, they've met with all of the student organizations. They moved the tailgating back close. They, back close to the stadium or next to the stadium. They've put the, ta- they put the student section in prime seating in the stadium. They took away, uh, they took away, they made season ticket holders move to go put the student section back on the 50-yard line. And then they moved the band back to be closer to the field. And yet, the other day, I'm looking at the student section and it's 20% you, full. You, I, I'm sorry. I, I, there's, you know, and the students, if they're listening, they can complain, oh, you're picking on us. No, you guys need to step up. As a former hey, student myself, it, look, when I was a student. These, these students who didn't go to the game are on social media arguing with players. Okay, this really took place. And look, I get aggravated about the attendance already. I know we're fighting a battle. I know we're fighting a school 50 miles to the east. I know we're fighting so many different variables. But when recruits from out of state are asking Acadiana, hey, where are you? When they recruit, when, they, when we recruit an out-of-state kid and they come here and they bring their family here and their family has an expectation of a certain culture because you know everybody loves to tell you how great it is here, okay? And, they, and then they're on social media asking, and they're players and also former players, hey, where are you at? Where's all this great fan, this, this fan output, and uh, where is it? I mean, look, that's embarrassing, man. Look, here, here's, embarrassing. Here, here's the thing. And th- this is coming from a, a guy who's one semester removed as a student and is one semester away from going back. You, you, look, you look at the students, and, and you look at what the students have. You get in for free. That too. You get in for free. You have the cheapest concessions in the country. You if you don't believe me, go to WashingtonPost.com. You get beer. Your, your student section... Your student tailgate not only got moved closer to the stadium, but then after homecoming, when that spot wasn't big enough, they put you on the practice field. <laughs> Please tell me how many schools in this country would put you on their practice field. We never got that. I'll wait. We never I'll got wait. That. I hear crickets because it doesn't happen. We never got that. These. I'm. I'm so. I'm thrilled. That I'm not like the people of my generation because the kids of my generation are so damn entitled and everything has to be handed to them on a silver platter. And I, I just don't, you have a 9-2 football team, you're practically sitting at the 50, you have free entry, cheap concessions, food was provided, they had free raisin canes at the student tailgate. We never got that. Like what? What more do you possibly need? And I think what bothers me the most is like like you guys were saying about these students arguing arguing with players on Twitter. Well, we have to work. We have obligations. Okay, if you have a job, that's one thing. But you can't tell me out of the twenty thousand students that go to UL, 
that, that all 20,000 students have a job on a Saturday to where you should at least get a good 3,500 students in that student. And you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this. Give me that excuse. I'm going to tell you this. If you are a UL student that is driving to Baton Rouge on a Saturday, I certainly don't want to hear from you because I know plenty that do. Worst kind of person. Plenty of them. They, during the week, Monday through Friday, oh yeah, go Cajuns, UL. But on Saturday, what are they wearing? Purple and puke in Baton Rouge. Can't wait to take a selfie of themselves in purple and puke so they can look cool on Facebook. I just, I, I, I don't, I don't that know. That kind of student. You know, I, I used to operate under the assumption that people root for or support their alma mater or the school that educated them. Or that people just understand that what's good for UL is what's, what's good for Lafayette. I used to just think that that was a, a it's common knowledge, but I mean, you would think that it is. This has been this has been an education for me, so it's good. It's not. I'm an outlier, apparently. You know, we we cater to these people, these kids, and but I always go back to this. It's a numbers game. You have twenty thousand enrolled. I can't get three. You got six hundred thousand residents in the area, and I think. I think it was a HUD number, so you got to be careful about that. But I think he said there was like a million within a fifty-mile radius or something like that. Yeah, it's and not I right. can't get and I can't get twenty thousand people to, that supports a, a school that promotes and, our and don't even that shows our culture that 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 represents us on a national stage, and they do a good job of it. Well, I hate to bring now, this up. I hate to bring this up, but you look at a school like Louisiana Tech in Ruston, pretty much in the middle of nowhere, but yet they attract twenty-some thousand people to their games. We're in Lafayette. We're in the third or fourth largest city in the state of Louisiana, and we can't even get 15,000 people. You've got 30,000 people living within five minutes of the stadium. More than that. Probably more than that. Like, it's just, it's just, you can't tell me that on a dreary November Saturday that there is more fun things to do than get cheap tickets to go to Cajun Field. That's another thing. There is not a the ticket promotions there, that the athletic department has ran this year are unheard of. Listen, there's not another event you can take a family of four or five to that costs less than 80 bucks, including food, that lasts four hours that your kids can enjoy and have a good time. And Look, guys, we play football at home six times a year. I understand you got kids. I understand you have a job if you're a student. I understand that you want to hunt. I understand all those things. But you can't put that aside or, or make alternate plans or maybe – Push that birthday party back an hour for six, six out of fifty-two Saturdays. So I just don't accept those excuses, and that a lot of them are excuses. Some of the challenges are legitimate. Okay, I'll give you an example. When all the conference realignment happened, we lost natural rivals. You want to tell me that's a reason why we can't keep people? That's a legitimate concern. Okay, you want to tell me we haven't been a winning program for long enough? Okay. I can maybe accept that, although five years ago we, we averaged 27,000 people a game. Okay, so I, I, I'm, I'm going to accept it, but with a little bit of grain of salt. Okay, we other challenges like the television deals, uh, you know, what's, what I find funny about the previous generation is they always want to call us the microwave generation, but their excuse for not coming to the games are, well, it's just easier to sit in front of the television. You know, the bathroom's right there. I can walk to the bathroom. I don't have to fight a crowd. But we're the microwave generation. I just I wanted to point that well, out. What's the I fun that. in that? I mean, don't get well, me wrong. Well, I've, I've I've had to watch a couple games on TV. But what what's the fun of not being in the atmosphere with? I mean, let, let's put it on the bad end. Fourteen thousand other crazy Cajun fans. 
I mean, it's an experience. And it's good. Look, I, I take my kids to the games. They love the games. You think my kids love watching Daddy sit in front of the television? And, and, and What's the fun in that? Like you said, I, I just I don't understand that way of thinking. Again, I must be an outlier. You know, they love to tell me that on the board. So I'm an outlier when it comes to that. But <laughs> back to the point. Back to the point is we do face challenges. Attendance is dropping across the country. I understand that, okay? I really do. I don't... I still think that it's a numbers game. We play six games a year. We got a million people in a 50-mile radius, and we got 20,000 students. There is still a disconnect. There's something off there. And for me, it's last last week really opened my eyes because of the circumstances. I mean, you know, we used to say for years, man, if the Cajuns were 8-2 and two this time of year fighting for a conference championship, that place would be packed. Oh, Cajun Field would be sold out. Well, we had our chance. We've last said that. Week. We've said that all season. We had our chance last week, and not only was it not true, but you couldn't even get fifteen thousand people in there against the Troy team that has a reputation for being a good team. And I hate to say it, you guys fully understand that Saturday we are more than likely, according to ESPN, we have a ninety-five percent chance to make school history. And less people than last Saturday will be there to see it. That's, well, let, yeah. let me give you a little bit of positivity there. I think we'll have more people just because it's ULM. Wrong, and I'm going to tell and, you why. Three and, reasons. Well, listen, it's still the go-to-hell McNeese crowd, okay? They're going to show up. Mark my words, the go-to-hell McNeese crowd will be there because ULM is in that same vein. Yes, but is the go-to-hell McNeese crowd bigger than 14,000 people? Because here, here's the thing, man. It's the Saturday immediately following Thanksgiving. LSU's at home against a decent Texas A&M team. And you know, they've been circling that game on the calendar right. for a long time. You know that's going to be a bloodbath. Isn't Texas A&M 6-6 six and six or 5-6 and six Yeah, or but here's the thing. It's LSU's chance to go undefeated. Plus, it's senior day and everybody still remembers that game from the last year. The seven overtime game last year. The seven overtime game. And then... And also, and also the, the Lafayette bootlickers that just want to go to the game to look cool. They're right. going to pick up those booster tickets that nobody wants because they, they know they're going to crush it. And then third and final, and I'm, I'm scared to say the biggest reason why people won't be there, Bayou Classic in New Orleans, Grambling and Southern. That's a big event. That's a very big event. But even then, again, even then, and I've told this to Matt before, uh, you know, we keep talking about the LSU conflict, and I get it. I understand it. I know a lot of people want to be a part of that. But you have a team that's right in your backyard that's literally four or five spots outside of the top 25. And so to me, I understand people want to be part of, you know, LSU's got their run, they're number one in the country and all that, and that's fine. But not everybody can get into Tiger Stadium. Not everybody – Tiger Stadium doesn't hold 300,000 people. So if you can't go to Tiger Stadium, look, you've got a stadium that's right down the street from you against a team that has a chance to crack the top 25 this week after a win. But like I was telling you – before we before we started recording this episode, in most people's minds, with the way that LSU's playing right now, even if they can't get into Tiger Stadium, they would rather sit at home and watch it on TV because, in their eyes, that is more entertaining than going watch a nine and two UL game. Yeah, in their it's, eyes, it's, it's more entertaining. I hate to say it, and you and, know what? And I said I, it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I said I said it in my Twitter rant yesterday. I. I support LSU's football program. I watch their games. I'm happy that they're number one in the country. I'm happy that they're undefeated because, honestly, that's good for the state. 
Well, I'm I, look. I'm. I know this is like this is a UL podcast, but I'm I. I can't. You can't deny what LSU's doing right Not now. Not at all. They're, they're legit. Okay. They're the best team in the country. But what bothers me is that, like you said, there's people that would rather stay home, yep. like you talk about, be couch potatoes, than go to the UL game against with a team that. Really is can break like you said a break of school. You know all the t- remember all the years. Oh, I'm not going to the UL game because they lose. Remember, I mean, I mean, times we used to hear that. Oh, I'm not going to watch the Cajuns play. They're terrible. We've lost this, one this. home game. Now they got people calling on radio shows going, "Well, UL's nine and two, but who have they beaten?" And I'm like, take take don't, off, don't even get me started on that guy. The, take off the P5 glasses for a second, okay? First, it, what it tells me is they're never satisfied. It's like the students. You give them everything, they still find a reason not to go. And I'm finding that with 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 the local, not everybody, but some of the local people here, it was always, well, the Cajuns don't win, so I'm not going to go to the game. Well, guess what? They're off to their best start in school history, and you're still giving me ex- an excuse of why you're not going. So in that case, you're never going to go. And and I just, I have no answer for it. I, I just can't, I have no answer for it. I have no yep. answer. Be, look, a scene town is going to scene town. That's what they're going to do. If it's not the cool place to be, they're not going to be there. But I'll take it. I just want to say this. LSU is a stain on this planet. And I will never support a single thing that they do. I will never watch their crap. I will never I will never do the state should support LSU. That's a that's that's a crock. LSU has directly hurt this school regularly for seventy plus years. They in a in a small way, I don't want to blame LSU on our problems because we've done it to ourselves plenty. But they don't help us. So, the guy that wants to, you know, root for LSU and go to the LSU games, look, dude, have at it. Again, I'm an outlier, but I don't give a shit what LSU's doing. I'm, I care. I, I don't care who we're beating. And look, I used to be firmly in the camp of we don't play anybody. We need to play better competition. We need to. We're gonna get better buzz when we play better competition. I understand all that, and I understand people who say that, and I still agree with that to a large degree. When you are going on a run that is historic, it's never happened in the school's history. Who you're playing doesn't matter at that point. We're gonna go ten. We're gonna go ten wins. We're gonna get double-digit wins for the first time in history if we win on Saturday. That is something to show up for. It does not matter who you play. If we can attract 3,500 people to play Little Sisters of the Poor in basketball. We should be able to get twenty thousand to watch us beat ULM to go ten and two. I don't think that's that's unreasonable. No, not at all. No, and again, and again, you know, yes, we don't play an SEC schedule, but obviously the media and people are taking notice to give us a, enough votes to be a and, top thirty team. And here's must exactly have done something right this year. Must here's, have done something right. Here's why we don't play an SEC schedule. Because we're not an SEC program, and you know that's that's really what's caused the divide, in my opinion, of college football in a nutshell, which actually indirectly affects attendance. This P five versus G five stuff makes it a lot worse. And even Nick Saban said it about a year ago of when they asked him, "Well, why do why do so many players sit out for bowl games?" He says, "Because you guys emphasize the playoff. If you're playing in a bowl game that has no significance, why right. would a guy who?" Could be a potential first rounder or a potential second rounder. Yeah, why, why would, would he, he want to risk his? Why his would he risk health his health for the Lending Tree Bowl in a bowl game that has no significance? What's it going right. to do for him? It no, might give him a run. And he's right. I mean, so he's absolutely right. But that is a microcosm of everything we've talked about up until this point with attendance. They've they've it's, created this 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 idea that if you're not in the P five, if you're a G five school, not only are you irrelevant, 
but you don't count. Yep. You there's don't count. There's but people this is out there. why I've been jumping up and down, howling and screaming that conference champions need to have a seat at the table. It does not matter. If you play FBS football 100%. and you win your conference, you should get a shot. I don't care if it's a, a perceived shot, a real shot. You need to do maybe like the basketball bracket is. You know, well, I'll UNBC say this. beat a, the top number one seed in the tournament two years ago. It could happen. Give them a shot. Let them feel like they're going to get a seat at the table. Well, I guarantee you that'll help attendance. It'll help the sport as a whole. I'll say this: if those people really think that, they're in for a rude awakening. Because if you split the G five and the P five, there's a lot of schools in the P five that don't look. This I'll say this: out of 120 schools, there's maybe about 30 schools in that group that can support themselves without any state funding, as far as athletic budget goes. LSU's one. That's right. And look, when you that take means, away the TV money, when you take away the TV money that's coming with the streaming Armageddon, I'm telling you, dude. The money's about to dry up very and you know, quickly. And you know what that means? Out of the 60 or 65 P5 schools that exist, a good 30 to 35 aren't going to make it at that P5 level. I'll, t- I'll tell you and this. And that's what people say. Well, well we, need to split, we, we need to split the P5 and the G5. You think wait, a school like Wake Forest can survive in that league? You think a school, a, a school like Illinois or Maryland or, or uh, I don't know, um, uh, who else? Uh, 80% of FBS can't survive that way. Well, that's my point. So if you want to look, if you if you want to do that, be my guest. But the more you split away schools, you know this idea that P five schools are going to play one another. Hey, if you're Illinois or Wake Forest or Boston College or schools that don't have that budget, and like you said, with the TV contracts drying up, it's not going to help. If you're not LSU or Alabama or Texas, good luck. Good luck trying to survive in that type of league in that type of environment. Um, and who's, who's going to want to watch the same five games every year? And, and then, who is the lower-tier P5 going to schedule? They're not going to want the, 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 the powers of the G5, that, or the, I'm sorry, the P5 that split up. They're not going to schedule a Maryland, like you said, uh, an Ohio, uh, you know, the, a Wyoming type of team. They're not going to schedule that. So how are we going to afford to continue the sport in that way with that system? You, you it's can't. Not gonna, you it's can't. not going to happen. And, and you see, I'm, I'm going to say this in closing because, you know, Josh, I, I don't want to keep you longer than we, than we need to. Like like you were saying, the the streaming Armageddon, whatever you want to call it, that and people's mindset that the P five is the only thing that matters is going to ruin college football forever. Because I don't like, know if you can unopen that box though. I don't. The tube is out of the toothpaste. I, I think that you've you've created a. Oh yeah, it, it, it's it's a hundred percent too late. Hundred percent. And with that new, I think rule, the only way you fix it is to expand the playoff. I think that's the only fix. And the and with that new law that they just passed of letting players get paid for their image and likeness, you're creating. I mean, that <laughs> you're you're making it even. I thought I think you make it even worse. I mean, I've talked to I've talked to athletic directors. I've talked to people associated with P five schools. They really don't know how to react to it. They don't know what's going to happen. And so, well, they've removed amateurism. Is essentially is what's going on. Yeah. It, the. And it the NCAA is slowly becoming a bigger business than the NFL. And, and really, but but that's again that goes back. I know we were talking about attendance, but that's what happens when you bring that type of perception up. You're telling people that this isn't important. But instead, yeah. instead of instead of the big time dollars going to the players like it does in the NFL, it's getting shoved into Mark Emmert's pockets. Well, they've created their own monster, I think, and and what we're seeing is is that's I think that's why indirectly I know we kind of circled around it, but 
indirectly, I think this is why attendance is affected all across the country. 100%. Because you've told them that certain things don't matter anymore. 100%. If you're not in the playoffs, I, I you don't matter. I, I if you're a G5, you don't you matter. matter. So why do people who are going to pay premium amount of money to go see that? 100%. But I, 100% I will agree. say, and, and with, it's like even with LSU, what they're doing, look, if they go back to being 8-4 and four or 9-3, and three, they're going to have, and not to say they're going to have problems, but it's not going to be what it is now. And, and I'll go back to this. The people that complain about parking, look, get I got over a buddy. I got get a buddy over goes, it. I got a buddy that goes to the LSU games, parks by Alex Box, which is almost a half a mile away. You have to walk every single Saturday to go to the stadium. Pays four hundred dollars a season. Four hundred bucks, and we and we're complaining and we're complaining, about, we're complaining about paying sixty for the season. To maybe take ten steps. Try take. Try saying paying ten bucks a game to walk across the street. That's what I'm saying. I mean, ten ten bucks yeah. a game, or six games, yeah, sixty bucks for the season. I'm sorry. To take maybe ten steps to walk across the street. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's like you said, Josh. I mean, it's it's. A, I don't know if, if Cajun feels the place to be seen. I and, but but like you said, it's uh, there's something there's a disconnect there, and I think the administration has done everything they can. I really don't have a response to it. You know, we can say because who knows if UL? What if UL would have beaten App State earlier? I still don't think it would have changed. They would have still found a reason why they, they don't want to go. So I, I don't know. Uh, and we'll never know. And, and I don't want to sit here and, and do you know in theory. This oh God, that. we we could have a I whole episode it, on this crap. I, I think it would have helped, but who knows, man? It, it would have been more embarrassing for sure if we were <laughs> nine and one. But you know, I think that maybe there's a chink in the armor with. The way that we're marketing, I think that there's a ton of effort and there's a ton of manpower, and that's great. Maybe we, again, maybe we need to examine where we're at and how we're doing things. Maybe that we can be more efficient and be more effective. Um, but I'll say this also, and then, you know, I got to get out of here. But, uh, you know, I, infam- I infamously made the comment about the purge of the fan base. And I pushed that, and I believed in it, and I still believe in it in the, in the way of. We are short, and we have been short, on a hardcore, rabid football fan base. I know it's been cheap entertainment on a Saturday night over the years, and I guess there's really nothing wrong with that. And I know we've been very family-friendly over the years, and I guess inherently there's really nothing wrong with that. But there's really not a gigantic fervor for Cajun football. And I, I, I really, when I started saying those things, I meant... I would like to get rid of the people that just want free or cheap entertainment for them and their kids for a couple hours on Saturday. And let's get some football fans in this stadium, create an atmosphere, create a buzz. Uh, I was reminded ever so nicely by our friend from the North Shore today on the board uh, that I kind of abandoned that when I was complaining about the attendance. He said, you know, you're getting your purge. Your purge is here. And I thought about that today. And uh, look, if... If we had to burn the fan base down to the ground and start from scratch, which is essentially what we're doing when we get 10,000 people to show up on a Saturday night against Troy, I can accept that. If we are building from scratch and starting over and really trying to build a football fan base, I can be more patient and I can wait on that and maybe I jump the gun on the whole thing. I still think it's outrageous that we can't, we don't have enough people in this community who, who essentially, you know, they build themselves as, as these prideful people in their heritage and their culture. I don't understand how we can't get more folks to be interested in a great football team. 
and maybe it'll take time. And again, maybe it's the purge taking place, and we've gotten rid of all the, the old hangers on that want to walk up to the stadium five minutes before the game. There's nothing wrong with that, and I know that's going to piss people off, but that's all right. There's nothing wrong with getting rid of folks that just want something for free and and replacing them with football fans that really support the community, really support the school, really support the football team. If that's what's happening, everybody needs to hang on for a little bit longer because that's when you really get something special. You go to the game and you have the atmosphere that, you know, the schools that you see on TV have. You win, you get football fans in the gates, and, and you keep it going, keep it rolling. You create some momentum and you just ride that through. Maybe that's what's happening, guys. Could be. Well, I think I'll say this. We're going to have our questions answered next year. First two games of the season, you open the first game up against McNeese. You know that's going to draw a crowd. There's going to be a lot of excitement depending on how this team finishes this season going into next year. Possibly the preseason poll might have the Cajuns pick to win the West and pick to win the Sunbelt Conference. I don't know. So there's going to be a lot of anticipation after you know this season. And you're going to open up with Magnese, so you're going to have a lot of go-to-hell Magnese people there, right? A lot of old fans are going to go. But the stadium should be packed. But then the next week, you host Wyoming. So you've got two back-to-back games that should draw good crowds. We're going to find out those first two weeks where our fan base stands. If you can pack the, the stadium for both of those games, I'm going to feel pretty good. But if the first game you put 28-29, and then against Wyoming you put 17-18, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be a little concerned. I'm well, keep in concerned. mind with Wyoming, you're 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 gonna be counting on Cajun fans. That's gonna be an all red crowd. You're not gonna get the blue and yellow from Lake Chuck. No. Nope. Which you know that's gonna bolster attendance numbers. But that Wyoming game, like you said, that's gonna be a real tale. It, it be, that's gonna be all raging Cajun fans. So you're right. That's gonna tell us something, man. But look, what the best thing that can happen for us? Everybody needs to show up on Saturday. Go get our tenth win. If we can finish the season in fashion, maybe sneak into the top twenty-five. So all off season, Lake Chuck can look at it, Shreveport can look at it, Ruston can look at it, New Orleans can look at it, Baton Rouge can look at it. I hope that that's what happens. Yeah, I, I mean, oh yeah, no question. Signs are definitely starting to point that way, man. Well, look, Josh, we'll, we'll let you get back to work. Appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you talking about the the pressing issue, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, boys. That was a hell of a win against Troy, and uh, I can't wait till Saturday. All right, man. Go Cajuns. Go Cajuns. There he goes, Josh Jagno. And you know, Jerry, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Mm-hmm. You have a you have a prediction for for Saturday against ULM? Yeah, I, look, you play like you did this week. I, I'll say this, and I, I know I said it earlier uh, in the podcast that we have not beaten Monroe by double digits at home in decades. I think we finally get over that hump this weekend. Uh, I think, look, Caleb Evans, is this, it, it's, it might be his last game. So he's going to come in with a vengeance. It probably will be. You know, UL Monroe always comes to Cajun Field, and they're always coming in, you know, with like a team on a mission. Uh, I think they're going to give us a little bit of a game. I just think the run game is going to be too much. I think our defense is on fire right now after the way they played last week. Um I like the Cajuns. I think the Cajuns actually, it's a 21 point spread. I think the Cajuns covered, I think they win it by 21. Uh, 38 17, Cajuns. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm kind of ro- almost right there. Um, my, my prediction is 17 to 17 deadlocked at halftime. Okay. And like, like you said, the Cajuns just wear them out in the second half. Um, I was thinking 34 17, 38 17, somewhere, somewhere in that yeah. range. Yeah, that's reasonable. Um, 
you know, kind of a game for the most part. But like I said, the Cajuns just with the depth that we have, I think I think we're just going to wear ULM down as it as it goes down the stretch. And, and I th- most games that the Cajuns have won against ULM at home have always been close to like the third fourth quarter. Um, and you know, I hate to bring it up again, but I do. There's a little concern there because oh, I of course they always give the Cajuns it's, it's a great always game. it's always a reason uh, to be concerned, but. I just think the Cajuns are going to just be too much for, for ULM. I think the, And I think the difference is going to be the defense. Uh, ULM is able to score on a lot of teams this season, especially at home, but they haven't faced a defense like the Cajuns outside of App State uh, in conference. Yeah. So I think that's where – that's going to be the difference. I think the Cajun defense is going to make just enough stops to keep this game out of out of reach for, for the Warhawks. Yeah, definitely. Kickoff is at 6.30 p.m. Saturday night. Broadcasted on ESPNU for the Battle of the Bayou, and um, you know we'll talk more after after the game. You know before the conference championship game, we'll know next week when where it's going to be, whether it's in Boone or it's right here in Cajun Country. We'll uh, we'll find out, but we know we're going to play App State, so that'll be a that'll be a fun episode to yeah. to have. You know we have the the banter with with the good old Black and Gold podcast in Boone. All right, guys, like I said, like I always say, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Raging Cajun Army. You can email me, RagingCajunArmy at gmail.com. And don't forget to look for my articles at underdogdynasty.com. Like I said, we'll talk to you guys next week. Go Cajuns.